Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the PH Nutrition Podcast. Today we are back with another we're going to call it an Instagram Q&A because that's really where we put the, the questions out. So um, we are back with loads of questions, actually, with some really, really good ones. So it's going to be it's going to be quick fire. It's going to be like medium fire. So uh, some really good ones. So Lukey, I'm joined by Luke, Coach Luke. Uh, so uh, we are going to dive straight in because uh, there's enough about listening about what we're up to. You don't want to know that. You want to know about getting your question answered. So first one off the bat from Rosie Cox impact of alcohol on training Lukey talk to me yes this is a question that that we get asked quite often because of how much of a drinking culture we have in the UK which is fair and I am always reminded of a study that I read a while back I need to remember who it's by because I can't off the top of my head but I always use this study as kind of like a reference point and it was a study that was carried out in the states in collegiate athletes so uh, fit young people that that drink a lot as well because yeah. it's college it's university right as well and essentially all they did was they got these students drunk and they made them train and they took loads of measures of like subjective rpe performance obviously i believe they did muscle biopsies and stuff like that as well and then they had a flush out period and then they did it the other way around where they got these athletes to train and then they got them drunk and they took a load of measures obviously of performance within that session rpe and then some measures of recovery after the session as well so same time period as they did before they took those measures too what they essentially found was that the people that got drunk and then trained when they were hung over although their rpe their rate of perceived exertion was through the roof they struggled and anyone that's trained on a hangover will understand that and it's not going to be a surprising fact they found that performance within those sessions their ability to kind of create maximal force that kind of stuff was not significantly affected Mm. or it was significantly affected but not by a huge amount they they were still able to perform even if it felt like they were trying a lot lot harder on the flip side in the other group that trained and then got drunk they found that markers of recovery were significantly worse and so what i tend to kind of advise people to do first of all you take the approach of kind of uh, 
everything in moderation, right? Enjoy going out and drinking and that kind of stuff. Don't drink to excess and don't drink to excess often is a huge one. Then the kind of counterintuitive thing that I recommend is taking a rest day on the day that you plan to go out and drink. The reason I say it's counterintuitive is a lot of people, if they've planned a night out on a Friday in their heads, this kind of switch goes where they think, oh, well, I'm going out. So I need to have a huge session. I need to wreck myself. I need to almost earn earn the night out. And then the next day, because of the alcohol, because of drinking, because probably food's not going to be the great, as great that night as well. The next day is just terrible it's just fully hampered so i tend to say uh, if you've got a night out planned plan your week so that you have the rest day on the night that you are going out and then on the following day i would say still train obviously don't do something that was gonna absolutely blitz your cns system uh, but moving you're still probably going to be able to perform with a nice simple session it'll feel harder and you'll probably feel better getting up and doing stuff as well if you're obviously capable of doing it they're they're kind of the key takeaways that i always take from that study and what i kind of tend to advise people to do as well i think i I know i think you're right buddy i think it's uh, it's interesting to see the actual research on it isn't it like how it impacts training because obviously we're looking at it the question is how it impacts training it's not how practically you want to do it now if you want to like say go and have a big session on the day that you're going out and then rest the next day then that's totally cool but understand that it will impair impair your recovery more when you do that than if you trained day after so i think this is a really good i i like that like i said i don't think they probably struggle to get people to 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 recruit for that study he's going to get smashed and end of it training <laughs> uh, but yeah i think it's an interesting one to look at i think also you just got to understand that these are two very different things okay like it's it's trying to have everything you can't like you can't drink to excess and perform you know and keep performing well in your training like you have to you know if you want to live your life and go and have a drink then crack on but understand that it will impact your training like it, it is, you know, whether that's output, whether that's recovery, it will impact it. So you've got to almost separate these two things to be like, look, joy, enjoyment, and then be like, you know, training, like all of the people that are successful in training, they do not drink excessively. So you've got to understand that there's two, two sides to it. So like you say, hopefully that practical advice from Lukey there has given you some, some food for thought on how to structure your week. I think that's a good thing also as well it's like you know impact of alcohol and training there's lots lots of ways to manage it isn't it like managing alcohol you know it's going to impact your sleep but can you kind of stop drinking really late at night so you kind of have a few drinks earlier on maybe switch to something that's less alcohol you know like lower alcohol levels towards the end end of the night make sure you're hydrated you know little strategies like this can make a make a big difference so cool jordan uh, with an x burns how do you maintain good nutrition and sleep emoji with a new baby on the way uh, well if you've got a new baby on the way you're probably okay like when you have the new baby it's going to be a whole different uh, of fish look i've been through this going to go through this in, in uh, a couple of weeks i'm so it's really challenging there isn't any kind of uh, definitive answer to say this is going to help you do this um you have to try and lower your expectations i think is the best one like you can't be perfect with your nutrition it's very challenging to be perfect with your sleep because it is you know you're trying to keep human alive it's really challenging to to do so again lowering your expectations at at like the first thing you should be doing 
So if you're training six, seven times a week, if you're training four times a week, five times a week, and you're crushing yourself and you know, and you're really performing well, lower that. Look to maintain. Okay, take that expectation down. Same with nutrition. Don't think about. I think getting so detailed with it. You've got to be doing the fundamentals and, and, and the basics. So for me, I outsource nutrition a little bit. I got a meal prep company to take care of my our evening meals because I was very tired towards the end of the day. And in the in the in the day, I just made you know cooked chickens and then made wraps and you know microwavable rice and really simple, no cook or quick cook options are going to be your staples. Okay, spending a ton of time meal prepping a recipe every different recipe every evening is going to be really challenging so some bulk cook meals such as shepherd's pie chilies you know things like this that can be kind of two three four five portions are really good don't be afraid to use packeted stuff like you know the microwavable kind of like potatoes you stick in the you know and they're done in three minutes same as the veggies pre-cooked meats and fish they're the type of things you want to be able to kind of you know fall back on because they're still nutrient dense. They're still going to be able to get your good quality, uh, you know, uh, macronutrients as well as micronutrients in. But it's just that little bit more streamlined. Okay, you've got to really make a conscious effort at the start to not just go and eat toast and cereal. Like it's it's hard. But if you can start it off by putting some meals in the freezer now, like you know, if it depends on how when how long your baby's going to you know away, stock the freezer up. Ask friends and family to not buy you any more baby grows, but to bring you a shepherd's pie or a lasagna is probably another good option. And, and yeah, just for me, it's lowering expectations to more of a maintenance thing, like train three times and don't do anything that takes a long time to warm up on. And I'm talking about training, I need to talk about nutrition, but it's hand in hand. Like don't go and do snatch, you know, from the blocks, which takes ages to warm up, go and do a bike and kettlebell swings just move your body because you're going to feel a lot better with that and the same with nutrition same principle applies it's 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 hard so uh, again the other thing is to try and keep a regular structure with your meals even if you're up in the evening sorry at night is to still try to keep some form of structure of eating breakfast eating you know lunch eating snacks as opposed to having it completely random uh, that made a big difference for for us just to try and keep to a certain pattern every day so so yeah mate i, ho- I hope you ha- i hope that helps uh, that helped me a lot lowering my expectations and just outsourcing a few things no cook meals quick cook meals they're the ones you can do we've got lots, lots of stuff on our blog and instagram as well on that so definitely definitely check that one out cool and congratulations by the way uh, another joe watson so lots of joe watson's on instagram and options for getting in protein with less plastic wrapping there's so many kvarg yogurt pots Lukey, what are we going to do about about this? There's, yeah, a couple of things you can do. I mean, one that you kind of jokingly suggested before we even jumped yeah. on, buy bigger pots. <laughs> that one, get, like, I know the, kilo the, pot. Kavai, the Kavai pots, uh, our fridge is stocked with them as well. They're a nice little pre-bed snack that we have. And, and getting those big kilo pots, if you can source them from somewhere, is a nice, easy way to do it. As long as you know that you're going to get through it, because obviously food waste is something that we don't necessarily want, and that's what the kind of little pots help with massively yeah, yeah, there as right. well. 
you can then just start to think about other because uh, if it's a it, i mean it is a case of kind of getting more protein and then if you're thinking about high protein snacks you can think about kind of bulk prepping prepping some that you don't necessarily have to to buy from a shop in in these pots as well so a classic example is uh, you know a fridge full of hard-boiled eggs ready to go to just go in and snack on that kind of thing just think the fridge up a little bit as well or even like cooking some chicken breast to use as a snack that kind of thing like i routinely for just like a little bit of a snack yeah. we'll have like half a bagel a little bit of chicken um little and just have that nice and easy simple yeah. and it's a lot easier to do obviously when you're working from home if you're out and about trying to get protein in then that's when you yeah. tend to have to go for the options in plastic wrapping obviously yeah. Uh, but yeah they're, they're kind of my suggestions Liam. Yeah. what about you no i agree with you buddy also you could go towards and if you again protein from a dairy source you could go to a shake you know i know it's not so much mm-hmm. of a uh, maybe you want something to, to eat but you can make kind of protein powder fluff put in with protein powder you know mixing it with like a blender with water or milk and again you're using only then one tub which often in these cases can be re- recycled so again like that would be if you were if you're worried about it like i use the one kilo tubs of the cheap 0% greek yogurt just because again you go through a lot and it's it's um yeah something to be aware of so hopefully those help and uh, and then you just maybe save the pots for when you're like say out and about or on the go that'd be good cool anna and uh, anna's a regular question pops a question on here so this is uh, what is the best empirical strategy to find the maintenance calories maybe she's asking about equations what do you think yeah, so there's there's kind of a, a number of kind of ways of, of finding your maintenance. I mean, the the ones, the equations that Liam's kind of mentioned there, the predictive equations that are used in these kind of calorie calculators, that kind of things, things like the Harris-Benedict equation or the Mifflin-St-Jour, all these names yeah. uh, from people that have come up with these equations are good ways to get a, a standard idea of kind of what you should be eating. But these equations will kind of standardize based on a ton of research that has been done in calorimetry which is that kind of direct measurement where they've measured using different techniques primarily i mean all based around gas analysis realistically it's just kind of different techniques of gas analysis for the most part uh, to find okay what is kind of the average amount of energy that people of this demographic this age um that they burn so they're all kind of based on generalizations so you can use these equations obviously we've got kind of our calorie calculator on the website that uses these to to help kind of calculate your maintenance And I always say they're a good starting point. And then realistically, you just have to look at how you subjectively and objectively are feeling. So objectively, if your weight is staying the same, probably at a maintenance, realistically. If you're seeing kind of the weight starting to drop, you're probably in a deficit. If it's starting to rise, you're probably in a bit of a surplus. That combined with obviously subjectively how you feel because if kind of maybe you're maintaining your weight but you just feel tired all the time you feel like you're not recovering you feel like your cns drive isn't there then it's probably a case of almost this adaptation that we've talked about before in fat loss phases that kind of thing and you might be able to eat a little bit more towards a maintenance that being said in terms of like the best strategy to just find out what you yourself are burning it's to, to kind of get some gas analysis done is to go to places like my vital metrics where we we kind of partner with but they will lie down under the correct conditions they'll put a, a mask on you they'll measure the amount of oxygen carbon dioxide that you are uh, consuming and producing and they'll do the sums for you to calculate your basal metabolic rate and then obviously again using just predictors of activity level 
they'll find a maintenance for you. And that is still not necessarily going to be, I mean, it's going to be exact, but for that point in time, yeah, very good point. it then very needs good to be point. applied to obviously the rest of your life. And that's why you need to kind of do these measurements under certain conditions. Yeah. So to get a true kind of like basal metabolic rate, ideally it's the first thing you do when you wake up after you fasted for X amount of hours, because even just like a walk to the clinic to get the test done, that can increase your metabolic rate a little bit away from kind of this basal standard as well. So uh, definitely worth doing if you really kind of want to know. It's something that I've used before with some of the top athletes that I work with. I know it's something that a lot of uh, athletes that compete in weight categories use as well, just because they need to be a lot more kind of tuned in with exactly how much am I burning so that I can control that and get down to the weight I need to when I need to, that kind of thing. But as I say, I think for most people, predictive equations, the calorie calculator is based off that and then going off objective feedback, subjective feedback from how you feel and what the weight's doing is probably going to be the best way yeah, to go. Couldn't agree more, mate. Uh, this is where <clears throat> weighing yourself every day, I know some people don't like doing that, but this is a really good thing because you want to look at trends. Like you say, if you're just doing a, a sporadic measurement, then you might be, like you say, just missing. Actually, you are in maintenance and you just had a jump that day. So definitely do that. And one thing I found when people do RMR tests is that their basal metabolic rate is probably higher, a lot higher than they think. And then they have to eat a little bit more than they actually think to, uh, to maintain. But it's a very useful thing. So yeah, check out my Vitometrics are on our website. And they're based in London near um, Paul's, Liverpool Street. So they can give you a lot more information as well. So yeah, awesome stuff. Uh, Fiona.j.w. Can you have too much protein powder? I'm vegan, so I tend to have it twice a day. Yeah, we had a little discussion off, off before the podcast on this, didn't we, buddy? And uh, I think it's one of those where getting protein in as a, a, a with a, a plant based diet is challenging. It's got a little bit easier, I think, with all of the options around these days. But consuming protein shakes is a very useful thing. I would say that looking at your ingredients list in that protein shake. If you extrapolated it out to say, what other things am I eating that can that contain a very similar ingredient list to that shake? So if it's, I don't know, wheat and rice or hemp and with a few sweeteners, if you extrapolate it out, say I'm only going to have one shake a day, but then you eat peas and rice and then have a, a bar with or something else with sweeteners in, then you're 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 eating a similar thing. It's not exact, obviously. It's you know processed in a different way, but you're eating similar things across the day. So I don't think it, it's very challenging because you can have too much of anything, you know. So it's it's hard to say how much is too much. I do think that Luki, I think you said this was look at the symptoms that this is causing you. If you if you're eat, drinking two shakes a day, I don't think that I, I don't think that that's excessive. First of all, I think that if you're not feeling any symptoms, such as bloating, such as any kind of like, I don't know, fogginess, any skin irritations, any gut issues, nothing else, and you're feeling good, then then continue to do that. If you start to experience symptoms, especially around that meal time that you take it, then yeah, then you maybe need to take a step back and look at how much is too much. It's probably too much for you. It has so much to do with output, lifestyle, other dietary factors that you're eating around it. You know, it's 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 challenging. So for me, I don't think two, two is too many. I just think you need to also look across the day. I think you, Luke, you mentioned about whey as well, didn't you? Just in terms of issues. Yeah. Symptoms. I think in terms of kind of like too, too much, 
protein. I think obviously with yourself being on a vegan diet, not you, the person who's asked this question, yeah. uh, you're less likely to, to suffer from some of the issues that people get from over-consuming dairy yeah. and whey obviously being a dairy-based product. I think if people consume a lot of whey protein, it can lead to some digestive issues, mm. definitely some gut upset. And I think it's easier to notice there and that almost limits the amount that you can take on from protein powder from that side of things as well. Uh, but I think it's it's... Yeah, with a vegan diet, with plant-based protein powders, they tend to be a bit nicer on the gut, a bit friendlier, and you tend to kind of see those a little bit less. Mm. So it's just kind of being more in tune with yourself because you won't necessarily have that obvious feedback that you might get from someone chugging three, four whey shakes a day yeah. where they're no, never off the toilet. That could be a, yeah. a more obvious issue. And that's when you'd probably say, yeah, it's probably too much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I say, with vegan protein powders, harder to judge yeah there's not been any studies as there on people taking like two shakes three shakes four shakes a day and seeing the the impact of it i mean look you go back to kind of weight watchers and stuff like that you know they were just drinking like three shakes a day for eight weeks Jeez, yeah. so you know like it's it, it's it's very challenging to say but hopefully that allays any fears of i don't think you're doing it i don't think two is too many definitely and um like you say it's got ingredients that are going to be in i think the shakes these days are, are, are a thousand times better than what they were maybe 10 15 years ago when maybe consuming two to three of them a day would have been an issue but i think these days i think they're pretty good and contains some good ingredients so yeah hope that helps cool kizzy 86 tips op tips for reducing cortisol now i actually think we're going to do a podcast on cortisol uh, just decided that luke because i think it's a very fascinating topic that a lot of people uh, maybe get confused about they they've heard cortisol and it maybe gets a bit of a bad rap now kind of what we want so when you're saying about reducing cortisol i'm consuming that you <clears throat> have high cortisol now whether you've done a blood test to experience this or you've just got maybe symptoms that we think are, are, are elevated cortisol such as well, you know, not sleeping very well waking up kind of still feeling tired that's a very common one gaining weight you know even when exercising kind of in that feeling well stress low immune system uh, kind of craving uh, a lot of fatty or salty foods can come from, sometimes be it maybe kind of a kind of reduced libido uh, and feeling anxious a lot of the time it, it, these ones are you know common signs of too much cortisol but we 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 actually want increased cortisol levels before training sessions we want it uh you know a decent amount of cortisol in the morning to wake us up to give us energy it mobilizes energy in the body we want it at the start of the day uh, we, we don't want consistently elevated levels we don't want it around like stressful times around meal times uh, so it's it's getting that balance so for me if you've identified that you maybe got too much cortisol then it, the main thing the main kind of big kind of rocks are managing stress levels and that's a very generic term I, I understand i'll break that down in a minute and improving sleep you know sleep quality is really really good now if you're often we had i think i don't know if it was on, on this podcast or i was talking on another one about people that always that, that say they can drink caffeine just before bed and they're like oh, i can sleep fine if you ask them how they feel in the morning they'll often go ah oh, no matter how much sleep i get i always wake up tired <laughs> They're the ones that have poor quality sleep. So if you can improve the, the you know, the duration, depending on 
on your lifestyle whenever and the quality of your sleep that is a massive massive help for for balancing cortisol help reduce it and managing stress now when i say stress i mean look at your training volume some of the research studies that i've looked at when i was writing some presentations on cortisol was that the intensity is not really the the factor that causes uh effects of cortisol it's the volume so it's being in the gym for two and a half hours it's doing double sessions on four days a week it's burying yourself for extended period of times and what i call junk volume you know you're just doing it just because you feel like you need to be doing it crossfit we're we're pretty bad at doing this i think Um, so you want to be looking at the volume of your training and maybe reducing that that's going to help to manage and, and reduce your cortisol levels you can still hit intensity get in get it done get out like that is a really kind of cool thing because you get a big spike and then it kind of comes down. You don't get a big spike and then you continually kind of keep it elevated. Another one is eating enough food. Uh, the rise of intermittent fasting, the rise of two-day fast, three-day fasts, one meal a day, whatever you want to call it. These can cause issues in terms of too much cortisol, putting stress onto our body. We're not nourishing it. We're, we're potentially causing deficiencies by not eating enough food. You know, like this is the thing. So you either eat enough and obviously eat enough for the amount that the training you're doing, your lifestyle and your goal. But chronically dieting, being in a deficit for too long can uh, can cause an increase in cortisol levels. Uh, and and for me, like, you know, they're, they're the kind of, kind of kind of big lifestyle factors. And then you look, you've got things such as supplementation, you know, adaptogens can be really cool uh, things to help it. So like ashwagandha, rhodiola, really good and cool ones, ginseng. If you get a kind of nice blend of adaptogens at the start, that'll be a really good place to uh, go. There's a company called Zag Supplements that that we do a bit of work with. They have a really cool product that has a blend and can help to increase HRV and and lower cortisol levels. So maybe check that one out. Uh, Fish oil, B vitamins. B vitamins are really, really kind of crucial for for this. So uh, that might be something to... uh, to, to kind of look at and then zinc and magnesium like these these are the types of things that you can kind of start with that have been shown to help manage cortisol levels uh, there are other more more complex ones such as like glutamine and glycine and kind of taurine and the, these types of things but i think if you can really start getting that big rocks and saying looking at where you feel like your cortisol levels are high like uh, or you know is it morning is it afternoon is it you can't sleep wired but tired kind of thing then you know trying to put some interventions in is going to help yeah there's a lot more on that and i definitely think we need to have a uh, podcast so kizzy maybe look out for that one in the future uh, moving swiftly on kizzy's also put another question in is blood testing for women is there a best time to do this in the cycle do you know what look i was like this is a fantastic question i really really think this is uh something that probably not a lot of people know about and when you're looking at blood testing if you're just doing it for like nutrient deficiencies, you know, like you're looking at vitamin D or you're looking at omega ratios, zinc and magnesium, it doesn't really matter. Okay, so you can get it done any time in the cycle. But obviously, if you're looking at hormone levels, then then you want to be, well, some of the research out there is done by a company called the Dutch Test. This is a, one of the tests that we use with Omnos. They, they use the Dutch Test. It's pretty gold standard across uh, all of the blood testing companies. And they advise it to kind of be doing it at the peak in your mid luteal phase. So this is around around day 21. Uh, so you want to be uh, kind of doing it around that just after ovulation. So if you're doing ovulation sticks, you can kind of count three, four days ahead and, and, and do it around them. But that's going to give you 
the kind of best indicators in terms of uh, of the blood test the kind of results like it's when progesterone is at its peak estrogen is a little bit higher as well and you know you can gain a lot of information on that so for example if estrogen is higher than expected and progesterone is within range then ovulations occurred but the individual was estrogen dominant which can really kind of exacerbate any kind of pms symptoms migraines you know stuff like that so you can potentially put some interventions in to help manage symptoms earlier be proactive um, you can just kind of get a better indication of what's going on if you kind of test it around that that time, day 21-ish. And obviously, if you've got a shorter cycle, uh, then like I say, maybe using no relation sticks or just kind of doing it, you know, kind of two thirds of the way through uh, would be would be advised. So, yeah, I hope that helps. Cool. Pizza Gains, 26, my man. Uh, what are the short and long term effects with training with little sleep hmm lukey hit me and now and obviously like sometimes it's easier for us people to say like us people nutritionists and coaches uh sleep more but sometimes we can't isn't it like babies and shift work but what are the, what are the effects that we see well i, I mean this, yeah it's a it's a good question and, and immediately kind of with like a one-off night of sleep deprivation where you haven't had the best night's sleep for whatever reason uh, realistically performance the next day it's probably going to suffer a little bit but you're probably going to be able to get through it you'll be able to use stuff like caffeine as well so that you can make things feel that little bit easier you might you're probably going to struggle to hit higher intensity so higher weights you'll struggle to get towards that kind of percentage that you maybe want to hit in each session that kind of thing but again you'll probably be able to get through it why is that um, just to to uh, suppression in the central nervous system yeah, that that would be that would be what I'd say. Yeah, it's like if your CNS drive is not necessarily firing the way you want it to, you're not going to be able to hit those those higher reps, especially on stuff like Olympic lifting, where there's a lot more to actively think about. Mm. You probably want to do stuff that requires as little thinking as possible. So Liam mentioned before when he was talking about obviously with a little on on the way just getting in and moving that kind of thing bike and kettlebell swings less to kind of think about bodies moving um and training is not necessarily going to suffer too much on that day mm. uh, obviously we kind of see these these there's there's always exceptions to the rule where people you know for whatever reason have a terrible night's sleep and then pee the next day yeah that's not that's not backed that's not going to be something that that will happen all the time yeah. but you do kind of see it and it can almost just be like the body getting you through things so like i always think about like maybe you know weightlifters that have a uh, competition the next day and because they're so nervous okay. or anxious for that competition they don't necessarily sleep the night before yeah. um but they still end up pbing because of the pure adrenaline from that competition almost i think that you can get by on the one-off uh, lack of sleep yeah. you can definitely get by but it will probably be tougher. Yeah. Uh, long-term sleep deprivation, you're basically just not going to adapt. to you're, you're, you're not going to... Yeah, the stimulus from training is not going to create as big adaptations as when you are fully sleeping, fully recovering, fully kind of getting the most out of it. Your yeah. CNS drive can fire all the way through that kind of stuff as well. So one-off, you can get through it. But long-term sleep deprivation, that's when you'll just... you You won't progress. You may even regress as well yeah, with yeah. it that's kind of my opinion on it Liam what about no I, I I agree uh, I think it's 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 very easy for us to say like you know just keep sleeping well and and you know get more sleep but say life events and whatever kind of come in and they might impact sleep for a short period of time I think what we need to do is be proactive in terms of trying not to make that chronic 
And I think if you mm. if you can do that, and I know people are like, oh, I've got kids and I've got this. And yes, I know, but you can still put in the interventions to improve sleep quality. You can, you know, try to improve uh, areas of uh, like sleep hygiene, so you actually get good quality sleep when you do sleep. Like this is this is what it is. It's not just about the volume of sleep that you're having. It's about the quality as well. So you, you I think you've got to if you if you're having short term. Uh, kind of uh, issues with sleep like you say you can get through it like i don't think it has too much of an effect on training like there might be a little dip but i don't like like luke said i think it will feel harder like we talked about earlier the rp might be a little bit harder but again the actual performance output probably won't change too much but when it starts to become chronic you've got to be proactive you've got to try to look at what's causing this and make sure that you don't go down that slippery slope and uh, yeah, be be uh, defied for months at a time and i think that's when then things can start to like i say impact but i I completely agree with you in terms of the the adaptation side of things that's the biggest one and as the longer it goes on the you know the longer your motivation will train will go down you know like and then the stimulus goes so you're actually not even putting the adaptation through your body so even if you do manage to get through a session with impaired sleep your adaptation is going to be lower but as it goes longer that's going to be even harder to do do you know what I mean? Like you don't want to just keep taking more caffeine and, you know, keep using willpower. So you've got to be proactive with that. Cool. Next one, flow crates, uh, proven ways in brackets, supplementation that boost or improve your immune system. So again, I think there's a bit of a common theme going through today's one, Luke, and that's sleep. You know, the, the, I know it's not a supplement, but if you can use potentially supplementation, or lifestyle factors to improve your sleep, that is probably going to be the biggest thing in terms of boosting your immune system. Okay. So, you know, maybe looking at magnesium in the evening, maybe you're looking at tart cherry juice to help improve your sleep quality. That's going to be a very, very good thing. Next thing I've got is treat any deficiencies. If you're nutrient deficient in something, zinc or magnesium or omegas or anything, you know, whatever you, your vitamin D, especially, like that's going to make a massive difference. So especially when we're coming out of the winter months in the UK now, but during it, like if you're not supplementing with vitamin D through this, I think you're probably going to be, you know, missing a trick in terms of boosting your immune system. So I would say start with that in terms of a supplement. A supplement. It's cheap. It's easy to take. Pill form, spray form, definitely be taking that. And uh, if you can get your levels tested, then you can see how much you can kind of take. And they say if you're down towards like 20 or 30, on the on the scale when you get your blood test back then you can kind of maybe supplement up to like four thousand five thousand iu but you can take a maintenance dose of one thousand two thousand iu just to help uh, help you know do that over an extended period of time especially in the winter so vitamin d top of the list but treat any deficiencies and then we know that a lot of the immune system is in the gut so you you know look at gut health so this is where i think glutamine and potentially kind of probiotics have been shown to to help improve the immune system so that's what i would look at so if you have any gut issues as well i know it's not supplementing but look at trying to adjust your food choices adjust maybe stress on the body and to to improve your you know kind of gut function that's that's a key thing for me early onset there is some research i know i've said this before but we use this in the in the the footy clubs is zinc and vitamin c lozenges if you've got an early onset of any colds if you start to kind of feel that little tickle or little kind of sniffle, then the zinc and vitamin C lozenges, you can buy them on Amazon or Holland and Barrett or whatever. They, these have been shown to kind of reduce the severity 
and the length of any kind of a cold, common cold. So that would be a nice one to an acute intervention. But but yeah, and obviously vitamin C. But you can get the, you can get this good, good amount from foods. So I would say that's hopefully there's a bit of a hierarchy there. Vitamin D, gut health, treating deficiencies, and uh, and then look to to supplement with uh, vitamin C and sorry zinc and vitamin C when you when you feel like the early onset. So flow crates. I hope that helps. And we well, sorry, last thing on that greens powders. I think we covered this in a previous one. I do like greens powders. A lot of people. The, the problem is they aren't proven in terms of boosting your immune system. But uh, I do find that I feel better. I get less illnesses when I take them for extended periods of time. Um, so yeah, maybe look for, to get a greens powder in you as well. Cool. Yeah, like, I think adding adding to that, Liam, as well. I think the greens powders ones. Uh, my view on them is they're fantastic for when you are not necessarily going to be in as much control of your diet as well. So travel, um, that kind of thing. I think it's so so key. Hundred percent. Going back to Jordan uh, about maintaining good nutrition with a baby. Again, I think I found it hard to kind of cook enough to get the really good quality. It was more grab and go, and I found that the greens powder really helped me. So. Jordan, if you're still listening, if you're not just switched off after the advance of the question, then uh, then yeah, maybe that's something as well. But Luke, you're right about say just plugging the gaps when we're we can't be optimal. Cool, Burnsy, we're 27. How would you factor into your food intake an active job role, for example, 20 to 30 thousand steps a day? Man, I don't even do that in a week. I think so. Uh, yeah, God, how do we do that? I mean, yeah, the, the kind of nice, easy, simple answer is uh, to factor it in, you factor it in, which is kind of like one of those questions of like, what came first, chicken and egg sort of thing. But if you know that you are super active in your job, as well as kind of training on top, whenever you're doing these kind of calculations, maybe that we talked about before, you just massively uh, plug in for like your non-exercise activated thermogenesis you need for your step count plug in kind of like what steps you're doing and that will take it into account the activity level kind of multiplier uh, should be taken into account there as well mm. and if you feel it's not you can kind of keep coming back to how am i feeling am i feeling like i'm constantly knackered do i need to add in some more food what are some easy things that i can do while i'm on the job because i know i'm this active to just get that little bit more in if it's needed yeah. and that's where we come back to that kind of tracking weight daily uh, coming back to maybe even getting the the kind of metabolic rate test done that sort of thing and just keep feeding back shortening kind of the feedback loop of, of where your weight's at shortening the feedback loop of how you're feeling from an energy point of view and as i say if you're in that that active a job role that's when your day and the amount that you take in across the day needs to be kind of pinpoint because mm. you'll struggle to kind of like catch up i guess with intake in the evening if that makes sense yeah, it's one of those where if you're out on your feet all day super active and you don't necessarily eat enough during the day you're going to be like a, a a black hole in the evening just trying to get whatever you can in yeah. and that's why you need to really kind of focus on structuring your intake across the day Definitely. and finding those easy easy wins for while you're out and about uh, so it could even be as easy as looking at like i mean you could treat this similar in a way to the, the way people treat endurance events and obviously yeah. not to that extreme i'm not saying that for every hour that you're working you should be having 60 grams of carbs that kind of thing <laughs> i am not saying that whatsoever uh, but if you feel like you know you're not necessarily eating enough and you are playing catch up in the evening then adding in easy like drinks i guess on the day and then looking for some other sw swaps as well shakes are always a really good one to kind of be chugging throughout the day uh, whilst you have your meals as well uh, yeah so that you can kind of keep moving keep working yeah 
Yeah, that would be what I'd say. No, I'd say just really kind of focusing on that structure. Yeah, I think, like you say, it's 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 a lot of what it's a lot of output. I know that a lot of the calculators, maybe he's uh, alluding to a lot of them go up to fifteen thousand, or like mm. that's the very high, that's the top end. If you do that, ours does that. Uh, that's why I'm asking. That's why I'm answering this. Is I would increase maybe your training days by one more. So if you do this mm. and then you train four times a week, I would train put down five days a week, just to offset it. Because I think if you are legitimately going up to thirty thousand steps, like that is across the week going to be a probably enough of a training session to, to warrant that increase. Uh, it, it's it's hard, mate. All of these calculations, like Luke said, you got to factor it in. You just do it, but then you've got to track and see how you feel. These are all, all of the carry calculators. We all use the same thing. They're all just a starting point. So if you do that, then you can see how you get on. Uh, and Luke said, yeah, you, you've got to be a bit more prepared, I think. <laughs> and with with food, like, you know, we work with a lot of construction site kind of workers and how they train, you know, they work all day, very high intensity kind of workload. And then they train in the evening got to be proactive and like luke said don't backload it you've got to go heavy at the start i think uh, and liquid nutrition is probably going to be your friend shakes and smoothies so Bernsie, i hope i hope that helps buddy cool last couple imi.low how can you be sure your stimulus is matching your nutrition uh, i think this this is a i don't want to kind of be like it depends but i'm i'm in the camp that training you should get your training aligned with your goal first that's the key thing for me. Like if you, if you, whatever you want to achieve, try to get a training structure in place. Now, one that you enjoy, one that's going to help you to get towards your goal. So if you're trying to put on a, you know, get stronger and do a lot of muscle, then don't just be doing the stepper at the treadmill, at the gym, you know, three times a week. You've got to have that training aligned to that stimulus, to, to your, to your goal. That's what I would say. So how can you be sure your stimulus is matching your nutrition? You've got to make sure that you're, training matches the stimulus first and then you can align your nutrition towards that so what you then do is go well my training is five times a week i'm doing three strength sessions and two crossfit then you can align your nutrition to that so if your goal is to get a little bit stronger or just increase performance then you probably need to be eating at you know calculate your nutrition to equate to a maintenance or a slight kind of you know strength gain muscle gain or if you're like, cool, my goal is to lose fat and I'm training, you know, I'm doing a spin three times a week and I'm doing CrossFit twice a week and I'm going for a run at the weekend, whatever it is. Then you can align you, your nutrition to this to support each one of those modalities. So you maybe eat a little bit more before a high intensity CrossFit session. You can kind of maybe train faster if you're running first thing in the morning on a, you know, Thursday. Like it's it's about kind of them being flexible. But I, I think... You've got to get that training done first. And when you get that training aligned to what you want to achieve, the stimulus is there, and then it makes it much easier to match your nutrition to it. Uh, but that, again, it goes back to bringing in that kind of overlap of your goal and then making sure that each session is is uh, is optimally fueled, however that may be, depending on what you're doing. Does that make sense? Did that make sense to you, Luke, or did I just waffle? Yeah, that made sense to me. Cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, good stuff. Uh, often I think people do the nutrition thing first because they've been told 80% of it is nutrition, 20% training. And it's, it's one of them where I'm like, I kind of understand that, but you, I, I think it's much easier to plan your nutrition when your training is, is 
consistent. That's what I find. It's very challenging to do nutrition first and then do the training, whatever you're doing. So for me, that's how I would approach it. I hope that helps. Cool. Anything to add on that one, mate? All, all good? No, all good. Lovely. Cool. Last one. Stu3. What's good for joints in general, i.e. supplementation? And thanks. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Stu. We will try to keep up the good work. What we, oh, we've got some good ones planned, haven't we, Luke, here over a couple of weeks? But um, we actually covered this on a previous Q&A, Stu. So um, it might have been buried in, in there. So just going to do a quick recap. Uh, for joint health, we often use chondritin or glucosamine, uh, and that's that's kind of common supplementation. You have to take them for an extended period of time. There is a little bit of research that, that's shown that they can help with joint issues. For me, I think the first point of call is to lower inflammation. Okay, I think sometimes joint health can be impaired by high inflammation consistently. So you could be, if you're overweight, you want to be losing a little bit of body fat. If you're not eating a very healthy diet or anti-inflammatory diet, then definitely start there. So removing high inflammatory foods, increasing um, some more nutrient-dense foods, uh, lots of different colors in there, good sources of you know, protein, kind of good meats, oily fish, meagers, like these types of things. And then supplementation, I would go down the route of anti-inflammatory again. So I would maybe use fish oil and I would use turmeric, curcumin. These are, these are two that I've researched around and had some good uh, there's some good evidence on there and also anecdotally with clients they've been they've been uh, giving me some very very good feedback on using kind of those two uh, especially with reducing kind of joint pain in general so yeah i hope that helps there is a little bit of col- on collagen as well uh, so supplementing with collagen might be a beneficial thing i would probably edge towards if you ha- if you've been taking glucosamine and chondroitin and haven't found a benefit i would probably remove that add collagen in as well as the other two supplements there and see how you get on but then try to look at your lifestyle factors as well cool cool wonderful i think that was uh, the, probably the longest q a we've done but hopefully there's a ton of information there for for people yeah, crew, we're going to be doing these once a month. And uh, like I said, anything that, that you want us to cover in the meantime, just pop us a message on social media, drop us a, you know, on the website, you can, you can contact us and we will always put it onto our list. We've got some good stuff uh, coming up around workout nutrition and bits and pieces, but uh, we are always looking for, for inspiration and ideas. Uh, so yeah, keep them coming. But Lukey, thanks you so much for spending your time. Uh, let's get after it. What you, what's on the plan the rest of the day? Working? No, yeah no it's it's been a pleasure Liam yeah working um, and then I'll I'll get myself down to the gym this evening as well yeah get moving a bit of evening training nice yeah good stuff uh, cool crew if you like the podcast please uh, rate it subscribe share it with all your mates uh, friends and family I'd be much appreciated and we will catch you on the next episode thank you very much for listening 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 